Hello, I am Avery. And I am Lily. And welcome back to From the Closet. Uh, we're doing our free movie of the month for November, which is Back to the Future. Um, and, of course, this episode was delayed. It was supposed to come out on the Monday after the movie Eternals came out. I don't really fucking know what date that was. But, yeah, um, I'm going to tell the listeners what I told you earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, if an episode of this podcast does not release on a Monday, it might release on a Tuesday. If it does not release on Tuesday, then there will be two episodes the next Monday. And that is what's happening this week. You guys will be getting My Neighbor Totoro on the same day as this episode. Also, this episode will contain spoilers for Back to the Future. Um, it is currently free on Peacock, uh, which I know doesn't exist in the UK. So if you're listening to this from the UK, suck it. <laughs> Get a VPN. By the way, we are not sponsored. Sadly. No. <laughs> want money. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I wouldn't take very many sponsorships. Uh, True, especially I don't even use a VPN, but whatever. (laughs) I use them sometimes. But, anyway, um, this is a Universal Studios film. Oh, I actually never knew that. Yeah, just like Scott Pilgrim was. So, like, it's kind of funny. We've covered two Universal Studios movies, and um, we've still never covered a Pixar movie. Covered a DreamWorks movie. Did we? Yeah, How to Train Your Dragon. Oh, that's right, we did. Yeah, and then we did uh, Disney Animation Studios. Which one um, was that? We haven't done... Uh, that was Raya and the Last Dragon. Oh, right. Yeah, so... Also, this is the oldest movie that we've ever done an episode on. My Neighbor Totoro was 88, um, and technically, I think... I think this episode's actually going to come out first, even though they're both coming out on the same day. Yeah, because this one will be labeled whatever number is below Totoro's. Yeah, I Probably. think... Um, if I'm remembering correctly, this is going to be episode 6, and Totoro will be 7. I could be wrong, though. I don't, have, I don't exactly have the playlist in front of me. <laughs> Why not? So, um... With this movie, uh, I would say that Michael J. Fox has this, you know, one character actor syndrome thing, whatever, going on with him. Like, you see the actor and you immediately think, that's Marty McFly. Just like you would do the same for Robert Downey Jr. And, oh yeah, that's Tony Stark. Or Chris Evans and being like, oh yeah, that's Captain America. Was I doing the same thing in the... um... What was it? Um, when I'm a cheerleader episode, where I was like, that's Zuko. Oh, yes. Like, Dante Bosco in But I'm a Cheerleader. Yeah, obviously, Dante Bosco is, like, most well-known for Zuko. Um, even though, like, he was in uh, But I'm a Cheerleader first, because Avatar was 2005. <laughs> but anyway, getting on to this... Uh, I would say that most of the cast does a pretty excellent job, um, and Definitely most of the so. special 
most of the special effects in this movie, despite being from 1985, are pretty decent. There is that one little quirk uh, when the DeLorean first takes off with Einstein in it, and uh, the flames just go right through Marty's feet, and his shoe doesn't catch on fire or anything. Like, that, that's a bit weird. It is pretty noticeable. But other than that, the special effects look pretty decent. Definitely um, an amazing movie for its time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And still an amazing movie by today's standards. Of course. Yes. <laughs> so, like, we start off um, seeing Doc... Uh, Doc Brown's, like, lab, I guess you would say, and, like, there's clocks everywhere, and there's a bunch of automated systems that are supposed to do some basic morning routine stuff, like make him coffee and toast, but he's left this system running for several days um, while he hasn't been home. That toast is going to be extremely untasteful. Yeah, that toast is really, really burnt. I like would the not want at to. the end of summer. <laughs> <laughs> I would not want to eat that toast. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't um, eat that then, toast, my worst enemy. And then you also have this coffee pot that, you know, is running hot water. So first off, how is there still water in the coffee pot? I wonder if it's connected uh, directly to the tap. That could be a thing, but, like, it looks like one of those that you have to actually pour water into. Well, it looks like that. It is the dock we're talking about. He probably could yeah. have just uh, modified it. Yeah, but then, of course, there's no actual coffee pot underneath to actually catch the water. So, you know, that's pretty dangerous. It could very easily burn uh, the table and mess up all the other technology uh, around it. So, not great there. Um, but anyway, we also see on the TV that he's got about somebody stealing plutonium. And that the... Um... It's later found out that that was some Libyan terrorists, and then Doc stole the plutonium from them. Yeah, the, um, the news report says that the Libyan terrorists uh, take responsibility for it. And then we get to uh, see Marty McFly and um, his family. And we learn that uh, Marty McFly's father, George McFly, his boss, Biff Tannen, borrowed uh, their car and wrecked it. And we see just how much of an abusive prick Biff Tannen is. Um and uh, Marty is upset because he wanted to use that car to go out to a lake with his girlfriend, uh, Jennifer. But, of course, he tells his parents that... I, th I think he told his parents that he was going camping with the boys, correct? I think so, yeah. Yeah, it was something like that. I mean, at any rate, he didn't tell them that he was going alone with his girlfriend to a lake. But, um, 
anyway, he he basically runs off to Doc's place and then like somehow managed to get in touch with him. I don't quite remember how he did that. Um, Doc called um the place while it, with the when the clocks clock scene. Okay, so um basically uh Marty finds out that he is late for school. So he rushes off and uh his girlfriend's ready to meet him outside the school and she's like, "Yeah, principal's looking for you. Let's go in through this other door." But of course, uh, okay, I'm just going to like cut We've uh we're basically covering the start and then we skipped ahead and then we're going back. <laughs> what? His MP is we start talking about the parents, which happened after the um, the school thing. Did it? Yeah. I, I'm having a hard time remembering these very, very early movie events that, like, didn't really affect too much. Mostly foreshadowing. Um, yeah. It's like, okay, so I, I, I guess I've gotten these events in the wrong sequence, but does it really matter what order these events took place in? Not exactly. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about this principle for a second. I hate him. Like, any principal who tells his students that they will never amount to anything is setting them up to never amount to anything. Like, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because you basically convince them that they can't amount to anything. I do find it a bit weird how this principal, you know, taught his father... And uh, taking the son to the same school, and what is he like? Five years past retirement. <laughs> I mean, it. I don't know. It just kind of irked me. And then, like, let's just flash forward a bit. Uh, let's get to the actual important scene uh, here. Uh, we have Doc telling Marty to meet him in a parking lot of a mall. And, uh, Doc has developed a time machine. And a DeLorean. Into, into, like, in a DeLorean. And it's like, um, he runs the time machine off of plutonium and then uses the plutonium to generate enough power to the flux capacitor, which would power the time gear. I find it funny in how, I didn't, I missed this the first time I was um, watching it when I was a kid, but where he was like, um, oh, I almost forgot the backup, um, you know, power. You know, how am I going to get back home? And then, you know, disaster. Yeah. Because the Libyan terrorists show up and they shoot Doc. Really, not a smart move to work with, um... Libyan terrorist, but this is what you get when you're a mad scientist. Yeah, the guy's a little nuts. Um, but Marty almost gets shot himself, <coughs> but um, he hops into the DeLorean and while starting it up, accidentally turns on the time gear. And, you know, just a few minutes earlier, Doc Emmett Brown had set the date to 
I believe it was November 30th, 1955. Yeah, right when he um, discovered how time travel could be possible. Yeah. So, he travels back in time, um, because eventually, while trying to get away from the terrorists, the DeLorean gets to that famed 88 miles per hour. And he shows and, up uh, right in front of the scarecrow. Yeah, he pops into some farmland, which is, like, that was pretty well set up, because earlier Doc Brown had said that the entire mall parking lot was all farmland. This is really good foreshadowing, by the way. Yeah. Like, and then he basically, like, crashes into a barn. Um, the family comes to investigate the barn. They think he's a fucking alien. <laughs> and then, like, they scream and run off. But then they come back with guns. <laughs> with a shotgun. Also, while we're talking about this, I just remember... The fact that the principal said, you know, no Marty McFly's ever count anything. You know, that's a bit foreshadowing as well, as, you know, we see, you know, what he was like while he was, um, you know, still at that school. Yeah, we get, we get to see how George McFly was, who, of course, like, George McFly in the present is a total pushover. So we go back to the past and we see he's Still he a total was, pushover. Yeah, even back then. <laughs> well, speaking about him, um, Marty saves him twice and ruins his own future. Yeah, so Marty first saves him from Biff uh, in the cafe, and um, it's uh, pretty. It's pretty funny watching him go around and like. Uh, have people make fun of him for wearing a life vest? Oh, that is that is pretty funny. Um, though his skateboarding tricks are, you know, next level. Yeah, like honestly, really good at skateboarding there. Um, but he tries. Uh, he okay. Just trying to remember the events a little bit. Okay, yeah. so he later comes across uh, George once again peeping through a tree uh, at his mother. Changing. And she's got the curtains open, which, you know, can I just say, not a smart move to change in front of an open curtain. Yeah. Right. But yeah, he's peeping through the tree. Marty scares him. Um, and, like, he falls onto the street and is almost hit by a car. Which is what's supposed to happen. He's supposed to get hit by um, his father-in-law. Uh, his future father-in-law. Um, which and then it's a bit weird because Marty also knew he was supposed to get hit. You know, for the but, entire yeah. future timeline. But, you know, it's the heat of the moment, too. That is definitely um, true. Like, you know, Marty didn't really have time to think. But Marty ends up being the one getting hit. And then, quite amusingly, he wakes up um, and is 
thinking he's being comforted by his 1985 mom and talking about how he had this crazy dream that he right. traveled back in time to which his young mom says, well, don't worry. You're safe here in 1955. <laughs> <laughs> I like, find this funny. And um, she is very flirtatious with him. Which is not knowing, very not knowing weird. That, <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. It's very discomforting. And, like, she doesn't know that that's her future son. She also thinks his name is Calvin Klein for some reason. I don't know why. You know why? It's a bit weird. No. I never quite got that. But, I mean, eventually, uh, it's fine. Like, it, she calls him that throughout the movie. Um... But, like, he also discovers she's removed his pants. <laughs> yeah, let's fast forward, um, you know. Yeah, let's just fast forward a little bit here, um, and go to when Mark, uh, bleh. No, Marty yeah, finds Doc. Actually, let's rewind just a little bit. Let's talk about the dinner scene. Oh, no. Where he's having dinner with the family, and, like, they bring in a TV, and there's this new episode of this show playing, and Marty's like, I've seen this one before, and then he spoils it. And it's a completely new episode that hadn't even released yet. Marty is an alien. <laughs> no. Um, and, like, he makes a reference to John F. Kennedy Drive, uh, and nobody knows who John F. Kennedy is. Wow. Wait, when did he become president? Uh, sometime during the Cold War. Oh, yeah. But, anyway, uh, so, Marty eventually, like, rushes off because he is very uncomfortable, understand understandably, with his mother's, uh, advances. And he, he goes, goes to find Doc. Br he goes yeah. to find Doc Brown. Of course, Doc Brown doesn't know who he is. Um, and I find it funny how he was questioning him. And, and the events, you know, kind of seem unreal in the future. Like, yeah, it's like learning that Ronald Reagan, the actor, would become a president. <laughs> and unfortunately, that would happen again in 2016. But we won't get into that. We talk about movies, not politics. Yes. Uh, but anyway, uh, eventually Marty is able to convince Doc that he is from the future and that Doc was the one who invented time travel. And he starts explaining how he did it. And um, Doc is freaking out because... Back in 1955, he has no way to get plutonium and no way to generate the amount of power that is needed to power the flux I capacitor. really want to say, you know, the amount of um, power is needed. Because he says it, like, so dramatically, and I cannot remember it. 1.21 gigawatts. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's kind of... It, it's quite iconic. Um, 
And it's like, there are a lot of, like, lines that are quite iconic from this movie. You have Great Scott, which, like, you know, I used to attribute to being from this movie, but then, like, I heard it in the in the 60s Batman TV show, and I'm like, oh, okay, I guess that's just a common thing people say. But most most people assumed that it came from this movie, when it really didn't. Um, Why? Because you know, um, it's a product of its time, so you slang yeah. from its time, but it lived on... So when no one knew what the slang meant anymore, it's like, oh, it came from that movie. And then you have um, one of the most iconic lines from the series, which actually doesn't come from this movie at all, is nobody calls me chicken. Like nobody that line is said... calls me chicken. Like that line is said quite a lot in the second and third movie, but it's not in this movie at all. And that's pretty much the extent of what we're going to talk about for the second and third movie until we eventually cover those. Yeah. Um, but anyways, um, basically, Doc, he then tells Doc that um, he met his parents and that is that's really screwing with the future. So now Marty has to try to make sure that his parents do f still fall in love so that he can actually, you know, come around to existing. Which is, is um, hard. Oh yeah, it's very hard. And he spends most of the movie trying to do this. And, Which um, most of the movie is her falling in love with his own son. Oh god, that's weird to say out loud. Yeah, it's... It's very disturbing. And, uh... <laughs> but, basically, the way that Marty is, you know, tracking whether or not the future is really coming to fruition as it was supposed to is with a picture of him and his brother, and I believe his sister was there, too. I believe so. Um, yeah. And, uh, basically, they learn of this upcoming dance, and, you know... That's, you know, on the same night as a pretty famous storm where lightning struck uh, a clock and the clock has not run uh, properly since then. And back in present day, which, you know, was 1985, so not quite present day by today's standards, but back in 1985, they were planning on demolishing the clock. So this is how... Um, Marty knows about it, and, uh, Doc had previously said the only way that they could generate the amount of power they would need is to harness a lightning strike. But you'll never so, know when a lightning strike would happen. Yeah, Marty looks in so, his pocket, but yeah, I do. Yeah. So, <laughs> so essentially, you know, Marty basically has to stall time and also try to get his parents to fall in love while they wait for this lightning strike to come along. And, it's you know, a lot of shenanigans. And a lot of shenanigans ensue. We get a couple of encounters with Biff. We get a couple of times where George tries to... Uh, George tries to ask out Lorraine, and it, it doesn't fails. quite go... Yeah, it fails miserably... And, 
um, eventually, we get to the night of this dance, and uh, Marty comes up with a plan to pretend to take advantage of his mother and have George save the day. Um, but it doesn't quite work out that way, because Biff shows up and starts actually taking advantage of Lorraine. And George, despite being afraid, ends up punching the absolute crap out of him. Biff got what he had coming. Yeah, so, like, George and Lorraine end up, you know, together and stuff. But, meanwhile, while this is going on, you have this band that is playing for this dance. And they go to take a break, but the uh, Biff's minions, I guess you could call them, are trying to take Marty to that band's car and lock him in the trunk. Uh, so the band and Biff's minions basically get into a fight, and the lead guitarist breaks his hand. So now we're stuck in a situation where the band can't play. And if the band can't play, then his parents don't have that first kiss. And they don't fall in love. Um, so Marty has to step in and play the future in. music. <laughs> well, first he steps in and they play, you know, your standard um, music from that area. But then, and I love this too, he's like, uh, give me a... Uh, He's like, oh, give me a beat, watch me for the changes, uh, and let's go. And, like, that was all the band needed. Um, mm. And it's crazy, you know, that stuff like that doesn't happen anymore. But, of course, they are uh, going through, uh, they're doing basically a cover of Chuck Berry's Johnny Be Good. Um, and quite amusingly, um, a guy who's uh, who knows Chuck Berry uh, makes a call. And that ends up inspiring his actual song. <laughs> well, um, you say something about that, and I want to mention, um, I only know this in jazz music, where um, improvising a soloist, it's more like, it's sometimes can be a call and response between them and the percussion. It's really um, interesting on how it works. Yeah, but like most of the guitar solos came from uh, most of guitar solo came from psychedelia, um, not really from jazz. Well, I'm just relating it to jazz because I know jazz. But yeah, um, his parents have that kiss, and uh, Marty rushes off, and uh, you know is almost late <laughs> to. Uh, Getting the uh, getting to the DeLorean on time, and uh, Marty tries desperately to um, warn Doc Brown of his impending death in 1985, but he, you know, Doc Brown, fearing the consequences, rips up the letter that Marty had written and stuffed into his jacket pocket. And Marty goes back to the future. Yeah, like, there's not enough time to do anything about it. So, Marty just goes, you know, back to the Ten future. Ten minutes and, before yeah, he, he... 
he has this brilliant idea to go back 10 minutes before when he left. Um, but, like, he makes it to the parking lot, and he's too late. Uh, Doc, been 11 minutes. Doc gets shot. The other Marty goes back in time. But then, like, he goes down to be with Doc in his last moments, and turns out he was wearing a bulletproof vest, and he had taped that he had taped up that letter. Um, you know, humans are a lot like cats. They're very curious. Curious minds. Yeah, and unlike, you know, curiosity didn't end up killing this cat. No, I ended up saving it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, basically, uh, long story short, Marty goes back home to discover things are quite a bit different now. Uh, now Biff is the complete pushover and works for George McFly. They seem pretty successful. Um, his mother... Still don't know where they work. Yeah. Um, his mother looks a lot healthier. Um, and, like, his brother works in an office somewhere... Which he didn't before. Um, and not only that, Marty's parents just know about him and Lorraine's trip. Not, uh, oh god, him and uh, Jennifer's trip to the lake. Because apparently, Marty in this timeline knows, like, trusts them enough. To tell them. Like, they're a lot less... Um, they're a lot less prudish concerning teenage relationships. Hmm. How interesting. But, um, yeah, so... Eventually, Marty is given the car that we see that he wanted earlier in the movie. Um... And then they're about to, like, he and Jennifer are about to hop in it and go for a ride. But then Doc Brown shows up, uh, having gone to the future to the year 2015. Um, he shows up and is like, something's wrong with your kids. You've got, you guys have got to come with me. Um, and we find out he's managed to convert the DeLorean to run on garbage. And he's also managed to make it so that it can basically fly. And I'm like, okay, yeah, flying cars, uh, that was a pretty safe prediction. We do sort of have them, but turns out they're too dangerous to just give to regular people. And they don't work um, how they do in um, Back to the Future. No, they don't. Um, but it would be really nice if we could get, you know, vehicles to run on garbage <laughs> Because it would certainly help a lot of our garbage problems. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, that's basically the gist of the entire plot. Um, I mean, if we can get, um, you know, capitalize on garbage, I feel like there's going to be a lot less garbage. Yeah. But unfortunately, it's all just like clogging up our oceans. And killing all the fish. Well, that's getting depressing, and I don't want to uh, remain depressing, so let's talk more about this movie. <laughs> yeah. 
lettuce. <laughs> um, I have to say, the DeLorean has really changed. You know, back then, it's just a nice car. But now you hear the DeLorean, it's like, oh, the car from Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, um, you know, Back to the Future even had this crossover with the mobile game uh, Jetpack Joyride. And the DeLorean in Jetpack Joyride is pretty faithful to how it is in Back to the Future, with pretty much the same, you know, effects on it when it, you know, travels through time, which in Jetpack Joyride just lets you go forward, like, 800 meters in an instant. Should have been 888. It might be, because there's no, like, exact number given. Okay. That was just me estimating. But, yeah. Uh, it This is a really great movie. Um, and if I had to rank uh, Universal movies, uh, I would say that ba the Back to the Future series in general would, like, all three of them would be in my top five. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, this made move this and the main theme too is like really great as well what was it anyway um but uh how long have we been going for about 33 minutes all right um so this movie has certainly had a lot of influence. It gets referenced in a lot of other movies about time travel. Uh, like, for example, Avengers Endgame. This again, movie Avenger will Then live. again, Avengers Endgame did reference a lot of time travel-related movies. Hmm. Yeah, this movie will live out in... I expect still see... Yeah. I expect to still be uh, still be seeing people talking about this movie thirty years from now. Yeah. You know, other than little kids that don't know better, I don't think there's going to be a soul that doesn't know um, Back to the Future. And I mean, even those little kids, they they'll eventually grow up to know of Back to the Future. Um, of course, I mean, I have little siblings. I'm I'm going to teach them what Back to the Future is. I'm going to let I'm going to let watch it. Yeah. Eventually. <laughs> it is because, a PG like, movie. Not a It is. Not in this era, but But like you know. isn't one of your siblings like two? Oh obviously not now. Maybe ten. Yeah. Well they're both so, ten. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway, um We don't need to spin the wheel. This is a free movie of the month. Okay. So uh would you like to go ahead and rate it, or do you have more to say? No, honestly. I honestly thought I'd have more to say. Um, yeah. like Real classic I've, movie. Really, um... You know, that's all I have to say about it. A lot this of it's, like, the, really iconic. Um, the cast does a wonderful job. Uh, the people who behind the music did a wonderful job. Most of the special effects were great, except for that one little rough area the first time iconic classical iconic classic you know just a movie for the ages yeah um, and i even have the uh, marty mcfly and the starlighters version of 
Johnny Be Good in my Spotify playlist. So I have to say, 8.5 out of 10. Honestly, um, you know, I didn't think about what I was going to give this movie uh, <laughs> beforehand. <laughs> I didn't either. But I think I'm going to give this movie a 9.5. Ooh. Like, this movie is really good, uh, but the scenes with, you know, Lorraine and Marty do make me quite a bit uncomfortable. Well, um, you are also supposed to be in, you know, Marty's shoes, who is probably even more uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd imagine so. But, like, even still, you know, it's <laughs> it's a thing. And, like, I've actually seen some people who hated the movie because of it. That's not a worthy thing to hate it, but definitely um, not a highlight. Yeah, but, um, you know, I definitely uh, I definitely think this movie is the best one in the trilogy, but we'll get to those later. Hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, I've been Avery. That other person over there is Lily. And we'll see you in our next episode, which is going to be My Neighbor Totoro, which we've yeah. already recorded. <laughs> so, <All right>. bye. <laughs> so, yeah, bye. <laughs>